And let's open our Bibles together to the book of Romans, chapter 13. Romans, chapter 13. And I'm going to read again for us this morning, verses 1 through 7, like I did last week. Though our focus is going to be on verses 5 through 7. We covered 1 through 4 last time. We saw that God tells us to obey the governing authorities that he's placed over us. That's part of how we live out the gospel in our lives as Christians. And this morning we're gonna think about why and also how we should obey the governing authorities. Why should we obey them? Paul says in this passage, because of wrath and conscience. Look at what that means. And how should we obey them? He says, by paying them taxes and respect. That's what we're going to think about this morning from this passage. And I think that challenges each one of us in some particularly pointed ways. Because it's fairly natural for us to obey because of wrath. That is, in order to avoid wrath, to avoid some sort of consequence. But it's much harder to obey because of conscience. Because we know deep down that it's the right thing to do. And it's perhaps a bit easier to pay taxes to the government than to pay respect to the government. Because the one just comes from our wallet, whereas the other has to come from our heart, doesn't it? So this challenges us. But in a good way, God is gracious to challenge us on these things because we want to know how to be Christian citizens. We, we want to know how to be God-honoring citizens. We want to grow in our understanding of how to be a good citizen of the country we live in while at the same time living faithfully as a citizen of a heavenly country. So it's good to be challenged on these things so that we can grow spiritually and be conformed more into the image of Christ. So let's pray for that together. Let's ask God to help us with that and then we'll begin. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this particular portion of your word. We need it. We need to hear it. We need to heed it. We pray that you would challenge us and convict us by your grace and conform us by the power of your spirit more and more into the image of your son. We pray in his name. Amen. Romans chapter 13, reading verses one through seven. And again, our focus this morning is gonna be on verses five through seven. This is God's word given to us through Paul, the human author. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, 
one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. In your sermon notes there, you'll see the same outline as last week. We covered points one and two last week. Submit to the God-appointed government and remember the government's job. This morning, we'll focus on point three, submit to the government because of wrath and conscience. And point four, pay the government taxes and respect. So beginning with point number three, which means we're already a bit ahead of schedule, Submit to the government because of wrath and conscience. Verse five, as you can see, begins with the word therefore, which points us back, back to verse four in this case, to the last sentence of verse four, which reads, for he, meaning the ruler who is in authority, is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, that is because he's the servant of God and an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, for this reason, one must be in subjection to that ruler, to that governing authority. We must be in subjection to the governing authorities. Be subject to the governing authorities, verse one said. Don't resist the governing authorities, verse two said unless, of course, they forbid what God commands or command what God forbids. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, First Peter 2 said, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Titus chapter 3, verse 1, I also mentioned last time, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient to be ready for every good work. So because the governing authority is the servant of God and an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer, therefore we must be in subjection to that governing authority. Why else should we obey the governing authorities? Well, in addition to the reason just given, Paul says because of two things, wrath and Conscience. Let's think about that together. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. We should obey the governing authorities first to avoid God's wrath. That is, God's wrath as administered by those governing authorities. So he's referring to the wrath he just mentioned in the previous verse, verse four. An avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. We're to be in subjection to the governing authorities to avoid God's wrath as administered by the governing authorities. We should obey the speed limit so we don't get a speeding ticket. We should be honest on our taxes so we don't get audited and pay a fine. We should refrain from robbing a bank so that we don't go to jail. We should do what is good because if we do what is bad, the governing authorities, as Paul's just said, 
do not bear the sword in vain. But there's a second reason we must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. That is, because we know in our conscience that God has appointed the governing authorities over us. We should obey the governing authorities to avoid the consequence, but we should also obey the governing authorities for the sake of conscience. Not only to avoid the consequence of doing wrong, but because we know in our conscience that we should do right. Because we know deep down that it's the right thing to do before God. Because it's what God calls us to do in his word. Our conscience is our consciousness of right and wrong. Our sense of what is right and what is wrong. It's like a smoke detector in our soul. And when we do something wrong, when there's smoke, it goes off, starts to beep at us. And our conscience tells us that we're doing something wrong. Now our consciences should be informed by the word of God so that we're getting our sense of right and wrong from the word and not the world. And in this case, the word tells us that the governing authorities have been instituted by God and therefore we should obey them. And so with our conscience informed by that truth, we should obey the governing authorities for the sake of conscience. Because we know in our word-informed conscience that God has appointed the governing authorities over us and the right thing to do is to obey them. And I think that's important for us to keep in mind, to obey for the sake of conscience Because if we're only obeying to avoid consequence, that's a pretty low motivation for obedience and is perhaps not obedience at all. So parents, we wouldn't be content for our children to obey us just so that they can avoid the consequence of disobeying us, right? We want them to obey because God says they should obey. We want them to obey us because We want them to obey God. We want them to want to obey God. We want them to obey for the sake of conscience because they know deep down it's the right thing to do before the Lord. It's the same for us, same for all of us. We shouldn't obey the governing authorities just to avoid the consequence of disobedience. We should obey the governing authorities because God says to, and we want to obey God. And all this about obeying for the sake of conscience reminds us that obedience is ultimately a matter of the heart. External obedience is part of obedience, to be sure, but it's not the most important part. The most important part is the heart, the intention, the motivation behind the obedience. If obedience is a banana, The external act of obedience is the banana peel. The actual fruit on the inside is the heart motivation behind that obedience. And just like the inside is the most important part of a banana, the inside is also the most important part of our obedience. Our heart motivation is the most important part of our obedience. So we want to obey from the heart. We want to obey for the sake of conscience. We want to obey for the sake of Christ. We want to obey for the glory 
of God. And that confronts us, of course, with our need for God to give us the grace to obey. Our need for God to give us hearts to obey so that we don't obey like Pharisees who cleaned the outside of the cup, but inside they were full of greed and self-indulgence. Rather, we want to obey like disciples whose hearts have been changed by Jesus, who, who seek to obey God from the heart and who obey the governing authorities in this case that God has placed over us for the sake of conscience. So that's why we should obey them, because of wrath and because of conscience. Let's look secondly now at what Paul says about how we should obey them. There's a lot of ways in the Bible, but in particular here, how should we obey the governing authorities? Paul says by paying them taxes and respect. Look at verse six. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Now if you look at the words closely for just a moment, what does Paul mean by because of this you also pay taxes? What's the this referring to? Well, it could be because of this that I just mentioned or it could be because of this that I'm about to mention. Or perhaps it could be both. Because of this that I just mentioned would refer to conscience, it would refer back to conscience. So because of conscience, you also pay taxes. That is, in order to maintain a clear conscience, you pay taxes. Or because of this that I'm about to mention would refer to the next phrase, for the authorities are ministers of God. So in that case, you'd be saying, because the authorities are ministers of God, you also pay taxes. Again, he could more generally be referring to both. You pay taxes in order to maintain a clear conscience and you pay taxes because the authorities are ministers of God. Either way, we've got some good reasons to pay our taxes and that can help us. And if you look at the end of the verse when it refers to the authorities attending to this very thing, that's either attending to this very thing of collecting taxes or attending to this very thing of being servants of God and carrying out their God-appointed tasks. But I want you to notice how in the middle of the verse, it says that the authorities are ministers of God. What a striking description for our governing authorities, that they're ministers of God. Now, he's not saying that they're ministers of God like pastors are ministers of God because he's not talking about church here and corporate worship and the ministry of the word. Rather, he's talking about government and society and the job that God has given the government. But nevertheless, it is striking language, isn't it? And I think it does two things, at least. Number one, it keeps them in their place. It keeps the governing authorities in their place. They are ministers of God. They are servants, as Paul's already said, of God. They are under the authority of the Almighty. No matter what human governments may claim, no matter what human governments may be conscious of in their own minds, they are not the highest authority in the land. 
God himself is. He is over them. They are under him. He is sovereign over them. They are under his authority. They are ministers of God in that sense. So this keeps them in their rightful place. But number two, it also puts us in our place. Because we are under them. We are under their authority. We pay taxes to them. We submit to them. We're called to do so. Of course, in our country, we elect them. That's a great privilege. And they do serve us, in a sense. They're public servants, we say. But at the same time, we are under their authority as ministers of God attending to this very thing. So they're not ministers in the sense of being pastors, but they are ministers in the sense of being under God's authority and in authority over us. And we should think of them that way. We should think biblically about human government. We're not gonna hear this on the news, but we do hear this clearly in the Bible. And of course, we should let the Bible shape our thinking on these matters more than the news. How should we obey our governing authorities? By paying them taxes and respect. That's really the point of verse seven. Pay to all. Now, all in context, meaning all the governing authorities God places over us. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Let's consider taxes and revenue and then we'll consider respect and honor. Taxes and revenue both refer to what we owe the governing authorities. And they're either just synonyms that Paul's using for style reasons like we talked about in Sunday school this morning or they're two different kinds of taxes, perhaps something like a property tax versus a sales tax. But either way, we get the idea, pay them taxes as Jesus said in Mark 12:17, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. We're to pay taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed. To be sure we can be overtaxed and to be sure the government can use our tax money in ways that are ungodly like Rome did But like Jesus said regarding Caesar, our obligation is to pay them. It costs money to run a government. And whether you think our government is too big or too small, pretty much any size government requires taxes in order to do its job. So while the amount of a tax in a given situation may be unfair, the existence of a tax is not. It's normal, it's to be expected, it's good and right for us to pay our taxes based on the clear command of God's word. That is what we owe them, that is what we're obligated to pay them. So we should pay them, and we should pay them freely. They shouldn't have to come and take it from us. They shouldn't have to pry it out of our hands. We should give it freely based on the command of God's word and we should trust our sovereign God with how it's used. 
We should pay our taxes freely, not begrudgingly. It's not necessarily that it has to be super fun to pay your taxes. Turbo tax is not a car racing game you play on your computer. It's not easy to pay so much money, sometimes to fund a government you may or may not agree with. But still, we should do our taxes, we should pay our taxes with a good attitude. With gratitude for God's provision for us. With gratitude for the governing authorities he's placed over us. And with prayer for both going forward. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes, revenue. But once we pay them taxes and revenue, we still owe them, don't we? Having given them something from our wallet, we still owe something from our heart. We owe them respect and honor. And this is perhaps even more difficult than paying our taxes. But it's no less important. And in one sense, it's more important. We must pay respect to whom respect is owed. We must pay honor to whom honor is owed. We should respect our governing authorities even when they're not very respectable. We should honor our governing authorities even when they're dishonorable. And I think one of the main ways we do that is simply by how we speak about them. Like I said last week, sadly, it's normal, it's very normal for people to speak disrespectfully about our president, about our governor, about senators, Supreme Court judges, various other governing authorities. But as Christians, we should be refreshingly abnormal in the way that we pay respect and show honor to those God has placed over us, particularly with our words. That doesn't mean we have to agree with them. We may disagree with them rather strongly about very significant things, but as we speak about them, as we post about them on social media, We need to do so respectfully and honorably, don't we? We should run everything we say or post through the Romans 13 filter. And whatever the Romans 13 filter catches, we should discard. So much of what we hear or read about our governing authorities or from our governing authorities about each other is simply toxic and we have to be careful about what we consume. And we need to set a guard over our own mouths, Psalm 141 verse three. Parents, this may be challenging to think about but consider what are my kids hearing from me? What are my kids picking up from me about this? Do you model for them respect for the governing authorities? 
honoring them in the way that you talk about them? Or does something need to change in you in this area? Ask God for the grace to change, which he freely gives. And talk about this with your kids. Talk to them perhaps at lunch today. Pay to all what is owed to them. Respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Two more things. We're gonna look at the larger catechism and then one point of application in addition to what we've already considered. Our Westminster larger catechism has some good material on this. It's in the section on the fifth commandment. I'm gonna read to you two Q&As on the fifth commandment. This is the commandment, honor your father and mother, which sums up all of our responsibilities toward all those in authority over us, not just our parents. The writers of the catechism refer to this as our superiors. So it uses language of inferiors and superiors, which rubs us the wrong way a little bit, but it's just referring to those in authority over us by God's providential arrangement. Question and answer number 127, just listen. Asks, what is the honor that inferiors owe to their superiors? Answer, the honor which inferiors owe to their superiors is all due reverence in heart, word, and behavior. Prayer and thanksgiving for them. Imitation of their virtues and graces. Willing obedience to their lawful commands and counsels. Due submission to their corrections. Fidelity to, defense, and maintenance of their persons and authority according to their several ranks and the nature of their places. Bearing with their infirmities and covering them in love, that so they may be an honor to them and to their government. And then question and answer number 128. What are the sins of inferiors against their superiors? The sins of inferiors against their superiors are all neglect of the duties required toward them, which I just read, envying at, contempt of, and rebellion against their persons and places in their lawful counsels, commands, and corrections. Cursing, mocking, and all such refractory and scandalous carriage as proves a shame and dishonor to them and their government. Something to think about. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Do you owe taxes and revenue you haven't paid? Pay them. Do you owe respect and honor you haven't paid? Then pay them too. Submit to the government because of wrath and conscience. Pay the government taxes and respect. That's how to be a Christian citizen. One more thing, though, as we draw to a close this morning. We can do this. We can walk this tightrope, 
which is what it often feels like. Because we have the wide safety net of the sovereignty of God under us, and we have the superior reign of King Jesus over us. And knowing that the safety net of God's sovereignty is under us and the reign of King Jesus is over us helps us to walk forward in obedience to these commands with confidence, with faith, and without fear. Listen to what one author said. It would be a hard thing indeed if God did not rule the rulers. But the Christian has nothing to fear when he considers that every plan and proceeding of government is overruled and directed by his God. If he puts his children into the hands of men, he retains these men in his own hand and they can injure them in nothing without his permission. Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. Revelation 19.16, on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written. And this is speaking about Jesus. King of kings and Lord of lords. We can submit to the earthly king because we know that our heavenly king reigns over him. And our heavenly king's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And our heavenly king's dominion endures throughout all generations. Psalm 145, verse 13. We can obey these commands knowing that he's reigning over us. We can obey these commands knowing that he's working in us. We can obey these commands by his strength and for his glory. The prophecy in Isaiah 9 we know and love so well looked ahead to Christ and was fulfilled in Christ. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The sovereignty of God is under us. The reign of King Jesus is over us. Therefore, let us walk in obedience to these commands with confidence in God's providence. Let's pray together. God, we pray for grace to obey these commands. We pray for humility to make whatever changes in our lives we need to make in light of them. We pray for wisdom and understanding and discernment in these matters. And most of all, we pray that you would be honored as we seek to honor those who are over us. 
Thank you for your sovereignty undergirding us and your reign over us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take just a minute now to think and pray about what we've heard and then we'll sing together.